Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. And y'all, I, I just gotta say this right at the top. I normally start my shows with like, ugh, I hate that. I'm in a great mood today. In a bit of personal news, I feel like I finally locked down on a meal plan that's genuinely working for me, that I can stick with, that I, I can actually resist other uh, cravings. I got this nice, nice workout regimen finally consistently happening. I'm down 12 pounds so far, headed in the right direction. It's the first time I feel locked in regarding like the main failure of my life right now, which has been my health over the past two years. And secondly, today is the final day of the August drop, which you guys have made our biggest drop to date. Uh, if you want any of this awesome though, make sure you snag it before midnight my time today. All of course at beautifulbastard.com. Finally three, because I got this positivity going, I wanna throw out some positive as well. If this video gets 150,000 likes, I will be giving away $5,000. Can the nation do it? I don't know, but we'll see. But hey, uh, welcome back to Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button and uh, let's just jump into it. The first thing that we're gonna talk about today is this news around anti-vax blogger Jody Meschuk, who I was unaware of before this. Looking into it prior to this, she was best known for releasing a book with the description. Jody shares strategies that led to her son's autism reversal. Right, so kind of just understand that's the platform we're jumping off of. And she's catching heat online after posting a video on Instagram. A video that had people disgusted, up in arms, and it starts off with her and her child entering a grocery store maskless, despite seeing a sign requiring them. But uh, the main thing that people were outraged about is that she then goes on to lick items around her, saying that the germs fortify your immune system. Even though uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that no sane doctor is going to recommend to people right now to go out and lick stuff in a grocery store. We see her licking things that appears, you know, she's only going to touch as well as things that other people are very likely to touch, things like the shopping cart or refrigerator door handle. And with that writing, be free, love over fear. And kind of fantastically, the place that I saw this video blow up was in the subreddit, I am a total piece of shit, aptly named. Right amid the outrage, we've seen a kind of a whole range of reactions. Some saying, you know, just call her out, just shame her. Others saying that, no, she needs to actually be charged. But regarding that, it's worth noting that others who have faced charges for similar behavior in the past also damaged a ton of merchandise or appear to intentionally spread COVID in the process. So if you're one of the people that want her to be charged, there is a chance that you're gonna be disappointed because there might not be charges in her case. And so ultimately, you know, we're gonna have to wait to see what happens. Now, as far as anything else from Jody, her Instagram is currently private, but screenshots have been floating around social media that show her allegedly saying she won't back down to the woke mom, saying these quote, people aren't even thinking for themselves. One could argue that they are not even real. They have handed over their minds to someone else, to Satan, to darkness. How can they ever be proud of that? At one point, even asking, why do some people latch onto a cult's mentality? Says the woman that seemingly disliked a store's mask policy so much, she ran her tongue up and down a whole ass supermarket. James, black out the screen real quick. Jody, if you're watching, just take a look at yourself right now. You're out here taste testing door handles meanwhile pointing the finger and going you're crazy like sweet baby jesus I, I don't know what else to say with this one also in other COVID 19 and vaccine news i mean this was one of the most requested stories from over the weekend let's talk about joe rogan right, so rogan's name is actually in multiple different headlines today but uh, the most requested is connected to friday in a show with free range american host evan hafer we saw rogan say imperfect vaccination can enhance the transmission of highly virulent pathogens right so this is a scientific paper um, from 2015 that shows that if, here's, there's, there's one important quote, vaccines that keep the host alive but still allow transmission 
can thus allow virulent strains to circulate in a population. Right, and with that, we saw outrage over the weekend, but scientifically, I mean, we saw experts saying that take is beyond wrong. The people saying that Rogan is misunderstanding, misleading, cherry-picking studies in a field that he has no actual background in. Right, and understand, like, when I say that, I'm not the one heading this, right? I have no background in biology. But, I mean, with this instance specifically, you have Andrew Reed, not only a biology professor at Pennsylvania State, but also the lead author of the 2015 paper that Rogan was trying to use. Having to now, because of the virality of this clip, talk to journalists and saying, we're talking about a very different virus and very different vaccines. Right, the paper at the center of this actually involved looking at what's known as Merrick's disease virus, which affects chickens. And as Reed told Forbes, the details in biology really matter a lot. The chicken vaccines we worked with definitely reduced disease, severity, and death. However, unlike we've seen with the COVID vaccines, the chicken vaccine didn't stop transmission at all. And as Reed notes, that's the key difference between this paper and COVID-19, saying at the moment, the vast majority of the replication is happening in unvaccinated people. You can tell that because the majority of cases in the hospital are unvaccinated individuals. That's the majority of transmission. Every time a virus replicates, it can mutate. So the evolution is right now occurring in the body of people who are not vaccinated. Rogan is completely wrong trying to deduce anything else. And remember, this is coming from the person that wrote the 2015 paper that Joe Rogan was trying to use. And, you know, because this clip got so much attention and you, there, you know, there's constantly a conversation of Joe Rogan needs to be thinking about what he puts out there because he has such a massive audience. I mean, he's one of the biggest entertainers in the world right now, a number of experts going further and saying that's not the only thing that Rogan got wrong on the podcast regarding COVID-19. For example, you also had Rogan saying, We've shown, this is a fact, it, just a couple of months ago, the idea of a breakthrough case was unheard of. Nobody heard of anybody catching COVID that had a vaccine, right? right? That was the whole idea. You get a vaccine, you don't have to worry about it. Now we know not only do you get it, but you can spread it. But for anyone that's been paying attention, you know that is absolutely not a fact. We've known that some vaccinated people would still catch COVID since day one of vaccine development because that is how vaccines work. I get that almost none of us have perfect memories, but one, no vaccine is 100% effective. And hell, in the beginning, I don't know if you remember the reporting, there were hopes that the first COVID vaccines would at least have 50% effectiveness at stopping transmission, which is why I was so wild and amazing when vaccines first came out and they were like, it's their 90% effective at doing so. Right, so as Reed explains, yes, while it is possible that a mutant variant could spring up from a vaccinated population, mutant variants are much more likely to emerge and gain traction among the unvaccinated. With Reed, once again, even noting that the Delta variant emerged from unvaccinated populations and that the only way to stop transmission there is through masking, social distancing, or vaccination. With Reed adding, it's a bizarre line of logic that some hypothetical possibility down the line would hold back life-saving medicine now. There are 600,000 Americans dead so far. The vast majority of those deaths are vaccine preventable. There's not a single scenario that would argue in favor of not using vaccines to save the next 100,000. Not one scenario. And as we've talked about multiple times, it is not like second and third generation COVID vaccines are not expected, right? especially if we're in a situation where COVID ends up being seasonal down the line like the flu. And so with all this, Reed concludes, there's tons of things we can do in the future. Right now, we need to vaccinate as much as possible. Right? And with this, one of the final criticisms I've seen of people making with Rogan is that in this piece, he then just kind of wonders why overweight people aren't doing more to get get healthy and reduce transmission. Walk around your block. You don't have to do something complicated. Start drinking more water. Stop eating sugar. Start taking vitamins. You can increase the strength of your immune system. We can fight things off better. We can be a healthier civilization. And here's what I'll say to that. I, I don't think there's really ever a situation where it's a bad idea to be like, hey, I think we all need to be healthier. I think we could all benefit from being healthier. I mean, we have an obesity problem in this country. I'm an example of that. Trying to get better. I'm trying to be an example of that. So I'll never have a problem with that, but I, I do have an issue with you recommending that after you've then misled people with with cherry picking misinformation and well hey yeah rogan has a much 
larger audience than me. I still think it's incredibly important to call things like this out and also just spread actual information since misinformation often spreads much faster. Right? And obviously while we have no control and the internet has trained me to be a cynic, what I would love to see in this is, you know, Rogan seeing this information that's new to him, right? Reed speaking about his own study, clarifying, explaining, and him going, oh, okay, so let me speak on that rather than maybe doubling down and thinking that it's just haters being haters. But yeah, ultimately we have to wait and see. And in the meantime, uh, just regarding any aspect of the story, I would love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. But from that, I wanna take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Brilliant. Brilliant, if you don't know, they take subjects like math, science, computer science, you know, th those areas of life that most people fear and convert them into awesome experiences of guided discovery. And their problem-solving website and app consists of over 60 courses and is suited for ages 10 to 110, offering courses for all levels, from mathematical fundamentals to quantitative finance and so much more. And what I love about Brilliant is that it replaces lecture videos with hands-on interactive lessons, which I just find to be a more fun method to learn as you apply math and science in a new way. And as far as who it's for, I mean, it's great for students, professionals, and really anyone who wants to get better at things. You know, I think it's very easy to kind of fall into just the same thing all the time, but it's important to remain sharp at any stage of life and Brilliant makes it fun and easy. Basically, I just think it's important that we work out our brains no matter what age or stage in life. So don't miss out on this great offer because if you go to brilliant.org slash Franco to sign up for free, the first 200 people will get 20% off their annual premium membership. Then our most polarizing and divisive story of the day, I'm joking, this is more of a, a light, palate cleanser. So with this light story, we have seen some passionate debate and I would love to know your thoughts and what you do. But one of the hot topics we've seen online over the past few weeks, thanks to celebrities, is around cleanliness. For this, in part because back in July, we saw Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher making headlines after appearing on the Armchair Expert podcast with Dak Shepard and Monica Padman. There, Shepard talked about not using soap every day, saying that it rids the body of natural oils. And we saw Kunis and Kutcher agreeing. I don't wash my body with soap every day. Okay, good. That's good. That's okay. good. But I wash Pits and tits and, and holes and soles. Slits. I wash the slits. I wash my slits and my tits. I yes. wash my armpits and my crotch daily and nothing yeah. else ever. Right, and they also got a lot of flack for admitting that they don't bathe their kids daily either, only when they look dirty or clearly smell. But we also saw others coming to their defense, like Kristen Bell on The View. We also had Jake Gyllenhaal telling Vanity Fair last Thursday, more and more I find bathing to be less necessary at times. But adding, I do also think there's a whole world of not bathing that is also really helpful for skin maintenance and we naturally clean ourselves. Right, and while all of this prompted concerns, support, and a good load of memes, we also more recently had Dwayne The Rock Johnson chiming in that he's actually the opposite of a not washing themselves celeb. No noting that ideally he takes three a day. Right, and I'll admit, this is, this is a topic that I'm pretty ignorant on. Uh, I've seen a lot of criticism regarding the shower habits, but I've also seen a lot of stuff saying that well, what a number of these people are doing is perfectly fine. With many dermatologists actually recommending that people focus using soap on skin folds and soiled areas, saying that water alone is suitable everywhere else. And that, including popular YouTube dermatologist, Dr. Dre, who actually did a reaction video to Kunis and Kutcher's comments. With, they're also noting there that it's still important to do more diligent cleanses when it comes to our faces and hands. But with all of that said, the, the reason I'm sharing this story is I, I want to know your answer between uh, a Mila Kunis and a Dwayne The Rock Johnson, like where do you land? Or uh, to use some of their own words, uh, where do you land between tits and slits every now and then to three times a day? Where you land and what are you doing and why? Then we definitely have to talk about the 3,949 page assessment backed by the United Nations that was released this morning that I will now read in full, I won't. But uh, the most important thing is that scientists in this warn that the planet will warm by 1.5 degrees Celsius in the next two decades unless drastic changes are made in the 
20s, with a report which was released by the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change finding that the last four decades were likely warmer than any other point in the last 125,000 years. And across the world, temperatures were warmer with no region showing cooler temps. And finding that greenhouse emissions, deforestation, and combustion have led to the highest atmospheric carbon dioxide levels in two million years. And on top of the warming effects of carbon dioxide, agriculture and fossil fuels have led to the highest levels of methane and nitrous oxide higher than any point in 800,000 years, both of which are also serious greenhouse gases. And to then go back to it, I mean, one of the big concerns with hitting 1.5 degrees warmer over the next decade is the permafrost in the Northern Hemisphere will be susceptible to thawing out, which could then release catastrophic levels of methane, making the problem even harder to control. And notably, staying below 1.5 degrees warmer is a key provision of the Paris Agreement, and it's looking like without serious changes, that will not be met. And notably here, unlike past UN reports that showed some uncertainty as to why the temperature was rising, this report was very clear with the authors saying, it is unequivocal that human influence has warmed the atmosphere, ocean, and land. One of the reasons that experts are so concerned here is that we've already gone 1.1 degree warmer than we were in the 1800s, which is when widespread industrialization happened. So given the rate and how things can escalate, it's believed that this is the last decade to change course before we cross a point of no return. Now, that said, as far as what happens if things continue to warm, will we go extinct? No, at least not initially, but things will get a lot harder. Sea levels, for example, which already rose eight inches between 1901 and 2018 will continue to rise. That alone will have major repercussions for people living on the coast, which is actually where most people around the world live. It can also cause freshwater sources to become salinated, putting entire ecosystems at risk. The increased temperature will also lead to larger and worse forest fire seasons and increased droughts, with many of the world already experiencing record droughts. And while the U.S. continues with varying success to cut climate emissions, other large industrial nations refuse to do so. With, I mean, take China, for example, they say that they'll cut the use of coal starting in 2026, but actually until then, the use of coal will actually continue to rise. And so with this, while I want to have hope and, and think, you know, we're in the movie where the world's going to come together and we're all going to do the right thing, the cynic in me, you know, it taps my shoulder and reminds me that without nearly everyone taking part, it is incredibly unlikely that we're going to hit the emission goals when we need to. And so we maybe need to just start getting ready for some big changes over the next decade. Then in big international news, we should definitely talk about the Taliban last week reclaiming the city of Zawranj, making it the first provincial capital in the country to fall to the group. And understand, this is a big deal because while the Taliban had controlled large areas of the country, it was almost all rural land and no major cities. And so now with the fall of this city, it seems like it's just the first domino because since then, the Taliban have captured five more provincial capitals. Their conquests also including Kunduz, which is one of Afghanistan's major cities. And so far, it seems that the central US-backed government is having issues controlling their troops with reports indicating that many just fled before the Taliban really started fighting. Although that was not always the case with at least 27 children being killed and 136 injured over the last 72 hours. You know, with this, it is widely believed that the Taliban will continue to take cities and provinces in the north of the country, especially as the U.S. still plans on removing all troops from the country by the end of August. At which point, despite pleas from Afghan generals, the U.S. will also stop conducting airstrikes against the Taliban. So there are fears that without help from the U.S., the Afghan government will fall and the Taliban will regain nominal control over most of the country, putting the situation essentially back to where it was in 2001. Then we should definitely talk about the fallout over the findings of the absolutely damning investigation into Governor Cuomo now in full swing. Right, last week, after New York's Attorney General reported her inquiry had found the governor had sexually harassed 11 women, Cuomo came out, instead defended himself, saying that he would not resign. I said that this was going to quickly devolve into a shit show, and oh my God, how quickly it has. In addition to the continued mass calls for Cuomo's resignation and the state's Assembly Judiciary Committee meeting this morning to expedite the ongoing impeachment inquiry, there has been a lot of movement in the last few days. On Friday, the Albany County Sheriff's Office said that an executive assistant who told investigators Cuomo groped her breast at the governor's mansion last year filed a criminal complaint. That move, marking the first known instance of a woman making an official report to a law enforcement agency regarding alleged misconduct by Cuomo, which is very notable because if wrongdoing is found, he could 
face arrest. And then yesterday we saw that woman whose claims against Cuomo are among the most serious, identifying herself as Brittany Camisso and giving an interview to CBS This Morning and the Albany Times Union. There, recounting what she told to investigators that since 2019, Cuomo acted inappropriately, kissing and hugging her in ways that made her uncomfortable, once touching her butt while they were taking a picture. But they're also going on to address Cuomo's response to the allegations made by her and others, right, that he often hugs and kisses people as a gesture of kindness. These were not hugs that he would give his mother or, you know, his brother. These were hugs with the intention of getting some personal sexual satisfaction out of. Adding maybe to him, he thought this was normal, but to me and the other women that he did this to, it was not normal, it was not welcomed, and it was certainly not consensual. What he did to me was a crime. He broke the law. But very notably, Cuomo isn't the only person facing fallout right now from the state attorney general's devastating report. Yesterday, Cuomo's number one aide, Melissa DeRosa, announced that she was resigning after the report found that she not only contributed to the toxic work environment, but also led efforts to retaliate against Lindsay Boylan, the first woman who came out against Cuomo. And held just this morning, Roberta Kaplan, the chairwoman of Time's Up and co-founder of its legal defense fund, resigned from that group, literally created to fight sexual abuse because the inquiry found that she had also helped Cuomo's effort to discredit Boylan. Right, so this is not only massive for Cuomo, but those who have been close to him. Yeah, ultimately that is where we are right now, right? This is kind of the, the top level highlights from the past few days. This is something that we're gonna be keeping our eyes on. You know, with this, I would love to know your thoughts on any aspect of the story. Also, do you think that he will finally resign? Is he going to be impeached? What do you think will happen? What do you want to happen? And while you type that out, uh, the ugly, ugly shit show will continue. And ultimately with this story or honestly anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below because yes, this is a news show, but it's also a conversation. And as always, thanks for watching, like, and subscribing, all the good stuff. My name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.